This is Color Speak, unveiling truth for light. Hi, I'm your host, Janet Huxley, author J.M. Huxley. Welcome to this podcast to unveil truth and uplift you. Light is where you'll find truth. Truth is where you'll find color. Color is where you'll find God. Color is God. It's His love for you. We know light is what makes color happen. Color is a product of light. So if God is light, that means color testifies. Have you ever thought of color this way? Color celebrates what God has done from the beginning and what He is still doing. Color cheers us on. It represents so much. It symbolizes the Father's love for His children. It exemplifies a Savior's promises. It stands for the Spirit at work in us and around us. We may not see color function in the shadows, but that doesn't mean it isn't available for us there. All it needs is a little light to start vibrating and shifting. When light hits an object, it causes it to rearrange its electrons in a process called transition. In short, it causes color to be seen. Color is all about perspective. Unfortunately, many of us allow our perspectives to operate from the platform of pain. But what if we allowed our pain to be our greatest platform in a good way? Recently, I had a friend tell me she didn't want to read my own story. She told me she couldn't take my book to read because she can't delve into the plane crashes or other issues I write about. I assured her I would never have written my own story if it weren't to encourage you to see yours through. If you're looking for greater pain perspective, you're in the right place today. If you're looking for more joyous color perspective, you're in the right place today. Difficult circumstances are meant to be overcome, my friends. So today, let's grab our to-go coffees, sit down, and buckle ourselves in for a ride, specifically on the backseat of a VW bus. Like going on a road trip with a good friend and a great playlist, today our guest will help us color our world a little differently. Author Shane Savorek is with us today, and she invites listeners to see the world on a road trip of sorts. Across the country and through the years, her colorful experiences are filled with greater understanding and never-ending wonder. Color. You see, Shane refuses, like you and me, to be a victim of her past or a product of her circumstances. Author of Broken Little Believer, a finalist of the 2022 Best Indie Books in the Spiritual Category. She also just completed her first children's book, which is super exciting. It's called The Busy Bridge That Got Its Break, and it will be available worldwide very soon this summer. So I am so privileged and so excited to welcome my new friend, Shane, to the show. Hi, Shane. Hi, Janet. Thank you so much. What a beautiful introduction. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so happy to have beautiful you here. And what a great time to talk about a road trip, specifically to VW bus. That brings back memories. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yes. It is not only nostalgic for me, but some of my most formative years and some of my best memories were made in a VW bus traveling <laughs> across the country with no itinerary just setting out, hitting the road, and not really having any true direction, but just following where the road took us. It was an amazing experience. 
Wow. Well, you've you've got me all excited. I love this because here's the thing. I too had similar experiences. I didn't tell you this earlier. So I learned to drive in a VW bug because my best friend Roxanne's mom drove a little orange bug. And that was fun. I was at then it was called San Diego's Jack Murphy Stadium. And we just drove around that stadium. Of course, the clutch was really, you know, That's hard at first. (laughs) And then I had another really good friend through my elementary school years, Haley, who his her mom drove a VW bus, a blue one. And so Mm -hmm. we were always all sandwiched in that thing. It was so fun. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, there's there's nothing quite like the sound of a VW. (laughs) And yes, just, you know, the sputtering of it, 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 it. for me, I find it uh, I find it to be a beautiful sound, and yes, very. Uh, it, if you've driven one and that's what you learn to drive on, that's a that's a great memory. Oh, it sure is. Well, I love the visuals. Well, before we get started on this great road trip of ours, uh, and of course, I have my coffee here in hand. As I'm <laughs> sipping, tell me what I missed. Tell me some more about you. Well, I currently live in New Jersey with my husband, my three children, uh, my two rescue dogs chickens and uh, basically any other creature who who wants to stop by we are known as the uh, the house where chipmunks and uh, hummingbirds and butterflies Aww. we we have lots of butterfly bushes and I love to feed the hummingbirds and um, basically I, I'm a, a lover of all creatures so our home is uh, situated just a little bit on a hill on a corner, and I feel, or I should say, I really want it to be that welcoming house where not only people, but, you know, creatures, birds of, of um, you know, a feather and foot stop by and, and, and get a little treat and take a little reprieve. And that's kind of the way I, I set up my front porch, and, and that's um, what people tell me they feel when they come by and visit. So mm. um, that's where I am now. Uh, I am a traveler by nature. I guess it's the way that I grew up, but I think I may have just been <laughs> wired that way. Um, and sounds like, yeah. And so I, I, I don't like to sit for very long. I love to be outdoors. I love to travel. I love to go on adventures. Um, the word adventure is for my kids. They, they take it as surprise because mommy really never tells them where we're going or what we're doing. And I, you know, I started doing that when they were younger because I learned as a mom that if you tell your kids that you're going somewhere and suppose the tickets aren't available or you can't get into the movie or plans change, then for the rest of the day you hear, oh, when are we going? And, you know, I thought we were going here. And so that's kind of how it started. But then, you know, as uh, they got older and as I continued to plan adventures, I realized that sometimes the best adventures are the ones that aren't planned. And so I would just say, we're going on an adventure today. And I'd load up the kids and I'd load up some stuff and we would just hit the road and we would have no destination. And that the whole time, where are we going? Where are we going? I'd say, you'll see. And little did they know, I would see too. And we would just drive and drive and drive until we found something. And every single time we hit the road or we headed out, we would always find something new, some beautiful road or some path that we had never traveled before, where we found something that was wonderful. And so that's my, um, that's kind of my philosophy of living is, is going on it on adventures. And I try to do that often because I still want to discover new things and I never want to tire of that. So if I sit for too long, yeah, if I sit for too long, um, you know, I think we, we become complacent and we become, um, 
fixated on the same views. Yeah. And I think that it's important to mix things up and to have different views and different angles of, of thinking and seeing um, often. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And you're instilling a sense of wonder in those kids. So good for you. I also think the older we get, and I I don't consider myself old by any means, but I'm in my 50s. And I feel like I can already Mm -hmm. see that I tend to get comfortable. Especially living out a yeah. distance in the yeah. country. And I need to remove uh-huh. myself from those comfort zones and experience new things to to keep myself free from, I think, limitations set in place by having yeah. certain expectations or parameters that are so habitual or mundane. And I think it's easier said yeah. than done because for me, like it sounds like you, I I love being in the country. I love hearing the birds and all of nature and being you know, in my environment, but I need to hightail it into the city occasionally and force myself into new environments. And that's why I was Mm -hmm. in Dallas with a couple of my girls this last weekend in 108 degree weather, mind you, that Uh, was really out of my comfort zone. Oh gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Even the Hilton I stayed at couldn't keep up the air conditioning. And we ran into a guy in the elevator that had a fan which we thought was hilarious. It was more than hilarious (laughs) to get in the pool at 630 at night and feel like you're getting in a jacuzzi. It was pretty rough. Oh, gosh. That's yeah. So of, anyway. Yeah. yeah. That's not my feet. <laughs> that was a, a little Mm-mm. bit of an adventure. But no, I, getting back to what you're saying, I, I do I do really appreciate that. There's, there's some joy and spontaneity. And that's when you're a free spirit, you can allow the spirit to work inside of you. And that's right. I think there was, boy, there was a Bill Johnson quote the other day I came across. I actually heard him say this. He's a a preacher in Redding, California, where he said something like, oh, gosh, am I going to remember it? Um, mm, I'll have to come up with that later. But it was so good. It spoke to that. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. What else? <laughs> so what prompted you? Let's start at the beginning. Okay, so we're going to get on this road trip with you. And I, like I said, I have my coffee in hand. So excited to hear. Mm-hmm. Are we stopping down someplace first? And before we get to that first destination, you've already talked about how you are very spontaneous and life is an adventure. But did you have some specific goal in mind when you started writing this journey of yours? Well, you know, I've I've kind of been writing this journey in my mind um, for most of my life. And I think, you know, whenever I do anything, whether it's out you know, walking or um, taking care of the chickens or whatever, or I I should say definitely when I'm driving, I I kind of um, find myself in a trance a lot when I'm driving. And, and I that's kind of I'm writing in my book, I'm replaying, I think a lot of us do that we replay, you know, times in our life and, and, and we kind of you know, the, the movie projector kind of starts. Um, and, and that's, and maybe it's just a, a trigger for me getting in a vehicle that it brings back so many memories of my life. So for that reason, throughout my life, I've kind of been writing this journey in my head um, and replaying parts of it. But um, I, I think, you know, when I started writing it, I felt like, you know, I felt like the time was right. I felt like the world needed a little bit of perspective. I felt like a lot of people have lost hope. And I felt as though many people have drifted away from, you know, what truly is important in life. And, you know, there there are so many distractions right now. Um, 
and I'm not saying that technology is bad. Um, you know, everything that that we have at our disposal, there, you know, it's 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 a blessing and a curse. It's how we use it. Um, but I think there's so many distractions right now in our in our world um, that so many of us have lost touch with what our mission is, what our goals are, what truly makes us happy, what's really really important. And sometimes, um, you know, when you go on a vacation or when you go on a road trip and you remove yourself from your normal place, your normal location. It's there that you gain better perspective because you're taking yourself out of that, that, you know, your usual surrounding and you're forcing yourself to kind of think more about your life and what it is that you want out of your life. And, um, and so that was kind of the purpose of the journey. You know, not everyone can, can get up and go out in the car and go on a road trip. Not everyone can, you know, they might not like where they live, but maybe not everyone can move. Um, you know, there's that we all have restrictions. So me writing this book and it truly being based on a road trip, but also inviting others to join me on this road trip enables readers to temporarily get away and take themselves out of the place where they are right now and reimagine things and rediscover things and see things with a fresh new lens. Yeah, that's so good. Well, and I would say that there is someone I know that talks about how good it is for your brain, for example, to get in your vehicle without a map and intentionally get yourself lost. Mm -hmm. Because finding mm -hmm. your way back home is so good for you cognitively. And then in just speaking yeah. to just what you said about TV, uh, or at least people watching and allowing their brains to be filled with other things, whether it's on television or online. You know, there have been studies that have found that people who reported watching moderate to large amounts of TV back in their 40s, 50s, and early 60s experienced greater cognitive declines mm. and had lower volumes of gray matter mm. in their brains when they reached their 70s and 80s compared with people who reported watching very little TV, especially in midlife. These are phenomenal findings. Right. And I am really motivated to stay away from that. I, I, when I homeschooled my kids, there were some things that came down over the internet. And I thought that some of the things were just beautiful mm -hmm. and colorful and well done. And the teachers were very articulate. And I loved that they were showing the kids how to do things that I couldn't. However, I found that they checked out right. pretty quickly. They started to fade into sort of a mm -hmm. trance-like state where they weren't as cognitively involved anymore. And I think you're right. We have to be careful that those things can be beneficial. And of course, sometimes we all need a good movie. <laughs> But to do that all of the time and to avoid yeah, getting outside right. is extremely detrimental. And I don't think we even have begun to understand how so, because all of this is so relatively new, especially the ability to pull out our phones. Right, right, right. Exactly. Well, and, and not to bash, you know, today's television, but, <laughs> you know, it's also different, um, a different form of media than mm -hmm. when we grew up, you know, when you grew up and when I grew up, the, right. this is not, you know, Mr. Rogers anymore. This is not, um, you know, th these are once reality TV became reality TV, the media changed, television changed. And 
you know, it, it is not, um, you're, you're not really getting a whole lot of yeah. moral, you know, fiber and character out of a lot of, you know, following, right. you know, other people's lives. And I think that, that there, there is something very, um, psychologically addictive to our consumers, TV, you know, television consumers to be watching other people's lives and being distracted from their own. I think, you know, sometimes it's humorous to watch, like, how could people actually do that or live like that? Or like, wow, there's people like, you know, but it's, it's a very toxic um, habit. I think it's so, a very yeah. toxic habit. And I, you know, I often not to get too deep into this, but I often think, you know, it's almost taking advantage, you know, television taking advantage of unfortunate circumstances. I mean, we are, we are promoting, yeah, you know, like we have television shows on teen pregnancy I, and, you know, these things happen. Mm. And, but I think rather than making some of it look fun and, you know, like everything is going to work out, why are we not putting resources and education and support for teen pregnancy rather than, you know, putting reality TV shows on it? Uh, you know, I don't know. And, and I'm, I think God bless, you know, everyone. And again, it's not being judgmental. I just feel like we're, we're there's a lot of um, topics that are being covered by television and television is not, <laughs> is not the, um, the best the educator. The yeah, yeah, it's not mm -hmm. the best educator. Yeah. So when we as a as a country um and we're turning to TV for solutions and ideas um on how to live our life or we're getting ideas from television <laughs> on how to live our life, we are mostly misguided. I mean, unless you're watching um how to fix your house, um and even that's not giving you all the information. I, I just think um, it's it's glamorizing a lot of things and we're not getting down to the nuts and bolts and the true issues at hand. Right. Well, and I, I just find it largely on the whole just depressing <laughs> because yeah. we are all wired to enjoy redemptiveness. So we all want right. a good redemptive story at the end. And, you know, you can argue that Hemingway was artistic or this or that author, you know, knew how to write or what have you. But honestly, if we are really honest with ourselves at the end of the day or the end of the book, as the case may be, if there isn't redemption associated to that, it's depleting. And it robs mm -hmm. us of the energy that we need in life to move forward toward our own redemptiveness. And I, I truly believe that that is, that is the problem with a lot of the offerings these days. Not only is there filth and propaganda agendas being, mm -hmm. being advanced, right. right? There is little right. redemption. So we all walk away feeling a little wounded for it. And I think, I think yeah. we need to be mindful of that. And so right. that's why I'm all about embracing redemption as as a goal. I don't think there's anything mm -hmm. wrong with that because our whole life is predicated on the redemption of our God and right. what he offers us. So right. I, I'm guessing, and I, I, I haven't read your book. I'm just going to tell you ahead of time. You know that. I'm telling the listeners, I guess, mm -hmm. letting us, letting you all know. I cannot wait to read Shane's book because I know there's redemption there amidst all of her stories. And that's the purpose for writing it. And I, I've I've talked to other authors about this before and, and you all have you've all picked up books 
that are, for example, memoir, and you you read it and you're thinking, okay, what well, what was that about? I mean, I understand the author's need to vent or to find some sort of therapeutic result, uh, therapy through it, but it offered the reader nothing more than a glimpse into the hot mess. Mm-hmm. There's a it's a much much different book that is written where there's a platform of pain that is turned into something of beauty. And that's what we all need because we all have our own things that need redemption. So tell us what, now that we're strapped in and riding along with you, do Mm -hmm. you want to share any of those stories? I mean, I know that you don't want to give a whole lot away, but yeah. 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 No, I'd be happy to. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't identify um, with memoir. I, you know, I, I, I felt like I really wanted this to be more of an inspirational book because I went into it and before I published it, I thought, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, some famous person. I'm not uh, a celebrity that people want to know more about. Otherwise, they could watch a reality TV show. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just a, a, a regular, you know, person. But I have yeah. done things that many thought were impossible. I have overcome oh, things. I love that. I have overcome things that people thought I couldn't. I have, um, I have endured pain that many others have endured, but they don't know how to get, you know, they, they don't know how to get past it. Rick Warren, one of, one of his quotes always resonated with me, and that had to do with using your greatest pain as one of your greatest, you know, lessons and, and your greatest testimony. And um, ever since I was a little girl, whenever something bad would happen to me, I always told myself there had to be a reason for it. There was a purpose for it. You know, pain is never in vain. We just have to know how to use it. And so, um, you know, we, we can't control the things that happen to us. We can't always control our circumstances, but what we do with our circumstances and how we overcome or rise above certain things, that's up to us. And so, um, you know, my, my mission then was not to write a story about me, but to allow readers to get into this Volkswagen bus, because there are a lot of people who are uncomfortable talking about their pain, their problems or their past. There's just a lot Mm -hmm. of people that don't want to go there. Um, and so it's easier, you know, that's why we do check into a movie and we kind of just get lost for a few hours because we can allow ourselves to get lost while we watch in a movie someone else go through that struggle. And we see and hope that in the end, they, they come out on top, they, they survive, that there's a happy ending, that there's a reason why yeah. they went through all of that. And so exactly. this, this book and this journey is all about that. And it's not just about one obstacle. It's about many obstacles. And so I tell readers, um, there will be, there will be at least one thing in the book that will resonate with you. There will be one thing that will, you will be able to relate to, whether it's family issue, whether it's divorce, whether it's Um, addiction, whether it's an illness, whether it's loss, grief, pain, bad relationship, um, bullies, mean girls, uh, poverty, homelessness, 
there you you take your your pick and there's something in it. So, you know, I, I find that there are two two kinds of people in the world. There are the people who they're they're gonna survive and they're just you know, at the, because what are we? What are our choices? We're either going to lie down and and claim defeat, or we are going to keep fighting, and we're going to stand up, and we're going to keep yeah. going and keep going and keep going. And so, when you get in this Volkswagen bus, you are allowing yourself. You can be anonymous. You can sit back. You can see the pain and be part of the journey. You can be part of the excitement and, and the, the, the survival and the, the winning moments. And you can just sit back and, and process your own because in between each chapter, there are reflection points, just like if you're going on a road trip and you stop at a rest stop and everybody gets out to use the restroom and they stretch their legs. And just like that, at the end of every chapter, there's a moment for you and a couple of prompting questions that as a reader, you can reflect on that, that part of the journey. Was there anything that, that hit you? Was there anything that maybe you haven't um, addressed in your own life or that you've been tucking away? Is there baggage or luggage that you've been carrying that no longer belongs to you? You've been carrying it around and it's time to let it go. Um, Mm -hmm. So, it's it's while it does it is a, a a story about my life it's a story that welcomes everyone to join and to go through this journey and make it their own and see that at the end hope is possible surviving is possible and not just surviving but to thrive because of our perspective and because of our attitude towards life and and you know, choosing to be a victor instead of a victim. Exactly. Well, it sounds like it's written like a series of vignettes. Yeah. But is it chronologically written? So yes. that you're moving forward yes. progressively. Yes. Okay. So is there is there a story you could share with us today? An example? Yes, I could tell you. Um, so what prompted um, the Volkswagen traveling really was my mother was diagnosed with leukemia and um, Mm, she was, she was on her honeymoon. It was her second marriage. Um, She was on her honeymoon and they were gone. They were supposed to be gone. My mother and stepfather were supposed to be gone for about a week and they came back early and she was covered with bruises. And Mm. I was old enough to assume that something very, very bad happened. But my assumption was that maybe he hit her or something like that had gone Mm -hmm. on. And she sat me down and said that I needed to be strong and I needed to be brave and that I needed to take care of my younger brother because she, they had gone on their honeymoon and she wasn't feeling well. And they went to the hospital and she found out that she had leukemia and that she was not expected to make it. And that from that moment on, um, she actually went out to Seattle where they were literally just using her as a guinea pig. And she was willing to do that because it was her last hope, her only hope. And they were just then, um, just then trials of bone marrow transplants. So she was one of the first 
to receive trial bone marrow transplant um, procedures and and uh, and treatments. And her sister was her bone marrow match. And um, wow! So this was what back in the nineties? This something? was in the eighties. In the eighties, they okay. they actually have a. So you were very young. Yeah, I was eight. Um, and so we we were separated from my mom. Um, and my stepfather for over a year. And that's a whole nother story. I don't want to tell you too much. Um, but definitely um, lots and lots of unknowns and many, a lot of fear. And, um, and so when she, she actually survived, she was one, oh, she was one of the only um, people on her floor to survive. And, um, they showed oh, up, God. they showed up in this Volkswagen bus and, um, and we, we went out for dinner. She had asked if, if, you know, they could take us out for, for dinner. And there she was bald and skinny and, you know, and she had been healed. It was a miracle. And we mm. spent, um, I'm leaving out, you know, the, the really, the really special climate you know, climactic parts, because I really want the reader to get, um, to get this, but we ended up spending years in that Volkswagen bus traveling across country. And we, mm-hmm. we, you know, lived off of our faith. You know, we traveled, um, when, when people put gas in their tank, I mean, we were, we were truly putting faith mm-hmm. in, in that vehicle and we were traveling by faith. We had no real destination and we, you know, my stepfather was a carpenter. And so we would pull in and coast into some town and he would get some odd job just to get enough money to put some gas in the tank and we'd be on our way. And we literally lived as though God was going to direct us and we would know where we were supposed to be. And all that really mattered was that she was alive and we were together. And so life was, um, was very different. And I had a very different perspective, um, you know, on the world and, and what was important from a very, very young age. And that, that wasn't even, you know, that's not even where the story began, but that's just, you know, one chapter of, of the story. But I think, you know, growing up in a way where if you grow up where, where you have nothing, you appreciate everything. And my book is is all about that. I think um, so many people have just lost perspective, and um, we have so many conveniences, and we have um, you know accessibility, and we have lost perspective on you know on what's truly important and what really really matters at the end of the day, um, and what truly makes us happy because you know. There are a lot of things that we do during the day besides work. We all have to work. So, you know, that may not always make us truly happy, but, you know, it's a means to an end. And sometimes, you know, that that's not what I mean. But there's a lot of things that we fill our days with that don't truly satisfy and fulfill us. And that's what I'm talking about. And I, I think, you know, living the way that I did and growing up the way that I did, it makes me look at life as, you know, wanting to maximize my time and wanting to make every moment special in some way or recognizing that moments can be special um, and, and just truly being present and enjoying what we have 
in the in the now. Yeah. Well, and I'm guessing your nomadic childhood meant that you were being schooled in that bus or on the road. Right. That is very right. cool. So your learning experiences would have been growing exponentially, in my opinion, then, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. There was, I mean, we stopped if we stayed in um, a state for a, you know, a, for an extended amount of time, then we were enrolled in school. But otherwise, we were on the road and we were learning on the road. Um, and we learned about everything. So um, I think I was leaps and bounds, you know, more mature than the average classmate because just, just in life lessons, just in life lessons, you know, um, and I was always a good student. So academically, I certainly was not behind because um, I don't know, it, it was, it was real, it was real life. It was real life. Well, that's one of the beauties of homeschooling is that it instills in the student an idea that they're the learning process never stops. So for those of us that didn't experience that, sometimes I think we had a mind, depending upon who our parents were, mine were all about education all of the time. Mm-hmm. But if you if you have a mindset where you just learn during these hours, and after that, it's playtime and checkout time, it does look a little different. And I've done it every which way. I mean, I have a son that went all the way through uh, public school. I had some that did partially public private. I had others that were half homeschooled, half private. And my last two, I homeschooled all the way through. I have eight kids. So it is interesting. It's an interesting thing. I I think that there are those who are advocating for it has to be this way and others that are just so opposed instead of being Mm -hmm. open-minded. But here's, here's my takeaway at the end of the day is I loved that the learning was always happening. So we're driving, for example, to Illinois to President Lincoln's museum and home. And as we're in our 15 passenger van, which don't even get me started on that, I hated it. It was not definitely not a VW Mm -hmm. van. Um, But it was, it was a contest between the kids. Okay, whoever can learn the most of the Gettysburg address will get, you know, whatever it was. (laughs) And it was it was good, because here's the thing. A dollar never goes as far as it does on a road trip. And what I mean by that is I could have waved a dollar around and said, okay, whoever does this or whoever's the most quiet or best behaved or whatever during this round until we get to the next stop gets the dollar, no one of my kids would have complied. But the minute I say, okay, next stop, whoever has the best behavior or whatever it is, whatever the challenge was, gets to choose their own snack, then okay, a, ba- a dollar mm-hmm. bag of pretzels or a chocolate candy bar, whatever, like right. that becomes right. the thing. It's like the million dollar price. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. It was yeah. so fun. Anyway, exactly. that's one of those times where I'm off oh on a subject. We don't need to, but, but it was fun. Those road trips honestly were fun. And you know, all <laughs> yes. of the squawking and complaining about having to learn the Gettysburg address. Well, Tara, then one of our daughters, Tara said she was in school the next fall And the teacher said, okay, who knows the Gettysburg Address? And in a classroom that was literally auditorium sized at her private school, there were only two people that raised their hands and she knew the Gettysburg Address better than the other person. And I said, see, I'm not just a heinous stepmother after all, am I? (laughs) It it actually paid (laughs) off for you. So yeah, we've had we've had a lot of laughs. Exactly. That's awesome. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, and I have to say not to, you know, but, but yes, those, those are the, the important, you know, 
educational moments that you yeah. just can't duplicate. And those are those spontaneous on, you know, on the fly, real applications of, of history. For me, you know, not only did I have that, but I think there were lots of quiet moments. There were lots of moments when it was just me and my wonder. It was just me and, and, and looking out from the backseat of the Volkswagen bus and just observing and watching life and watching people and questioning things. And, and that for me, because of just who I am, I think was the greatest teacher, you know, to be able to visit so many different places and to be immersed into so many different cultures and, and climates and, and, you know, you name it. Um, but to, be able to be flexible and to be able to, you know, look at things and experience things differently and to ask questions and have that wonder instead of growing up closed minded and very rigid. And no, this is the way you do it. There are a million ways to do things and, and no one way is right or wrong. So, um, so I felt like that was one of the best lessons that I took away from, from, from living the way that I did and growing up that way. And then, you know, emotionally and psychologically, you know, I, I was born, I think we're innately either, you know, I think that I was born a compassionate person. I think that's, I have a gentle spirit, but I think the way that I grew up and some of the pain and the trauma and the fears that I had as a young person made me even more compassionate and empathetic throughout my life because I used that pain to connect with others and I could recognize and sense in other people a loneliness or a sadness or a loss maybe that, that they were you know, experiencing. And so I could pick up on those things. And I, you know, because I had felt it, I knew what that was like, and I recognized it in other people. And so that was a way that I used, you know, my pain to, to do, you know, to do something with it. And, and I, you know, I still find it very interesting, you know, how people will say to me, like, I could walk into a room and I will walk up to someone because there's just something and and many people have this, but I could walk up Mm -hmm. to someone and I just, I feel it. I feel like, you know, this, this person is struggling and you wouldn't know it by the look on their face or the way they're laughing, but there's something. And I, I'm never, um, I'm never surprised when someone says, how did you know? Like I, I just, I just, lost my you know a family member I just and it's I don't know it's something that I can feel it's something that I can see and I think it's only because I have experienced it and I recognize that um in others and so I think it's also in how we and how we live our life where you know some people are stuck in bitterness and 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 anger and they're um upset over over loss or pain and instead of reaching out to someone else they're bitter and angry and we, we, you know we all have moments where we're we're sad and and angry but when we go out and we choose to use some of that pain to connect with others it certainly makes that that pain 
a lot lighter. Well, I think it just starts with noticing people, honestly, Shane, and that's what you've honed to perfection. I think we all are wired to connect with one another. And we either flip Mm -hmm. the switch or we don't. And it's just as easy as getting out into other worlds and other places and seeing people for who they are and recognizing the connection that exists in all of us. And that's, that's why I like you, I love meeting new people. And my kids are always laughing. But, you know, at first, they were making fun of me. Oh, mom, you know, you meet your best friend in the grocery store (laughs) on a plane or who wherever we are, we meet people. But what amazes me is now I see my adult children doing the same thing. And and it just warms my heart. Like we were at a coffee shop in Dallas this weekend. And um, we walked outside and there was an old guy on his bike and it was hot and he dropped something and we told him, Oh, you dropped something. And that was his cue. That was his opportunity. And he just looks up at us and said, could you buy me a salad in there? And my daughter said, sure, what would you like? And she was in the door faster than I could react. And we're walking back to the Mm -hmm. car and I said, that is Kelsey. Wow. Like that is so awesome. You know, it just made me so proud. And just to see the way she was interacting with people and Emily was interacting with people and asking them about their days. And we're talking to people in elevators and we're not obnoxious by any means. It's not like we're chatterboxes. It's just so Right. It's just, it's a surrender is all I can, that's the way I describe it. And I love hearing stories of my father-in-law who passed away in 2013, but my husband traveled around the world with his family and they actually lived in Saudi Arabia for a while. And that was because he was working with an American company that was based there. But he has stories of going out into the desert and literally driving up to Bedouin tents where his father would go in and have tea with people. And just living that way is so cool. If we could only be that way, if we could only be the kind of people Mm -hmm. that interact with others that we meet and find commonality instead of differences. And I always like to think of we, Kevin and I were on the one and only cruise we did, my husband and I, years ago, but we ended up with this couple from Ireland. We had never met them prior to the trip. We had only known them a couple of hours when we decided we were going to, the four of us, go out and tour one of the islands. And we spent the day together laughing, (laughs) eating, having a great time. I don't remember their names. Uh, We didn't stay in touch on social media. But it was one of those phenomenal moments where I think if we could only get beyond Mm -hmm. ourselves, and because I know people in my own world that say, well, I don't have commonality with that person, or we don't, we don't have anything that I could see that would be connective or what have you. It's just so limiting. Mm-hmm. Just think of what a yes, what, what yes. kind of world would be open to you if you could be open to connections where, right. you know, you. I love differences. That's so cool. Yeah, right, right. Well, it's boring if we're all the same. <laughs> yes. And how cool is it also <laughs> when faith enters the picture? So, and that's what I want to do is sort of transition now towards the end of the podcast to ask you and put you on the spot, Shane, how do you know God is real? Or have you ever had any evidence that you have for his existence? Tell me about what your faith looks like. I find evidence that God is real every day. Every day that I wake up and my eyes open and I am breathing, I know that God is real. <laughs> but I see God in in people. I see yes. him. I see him in in people. I you know, you were just telling the story about the, the old man as like I have been in waiting rooms and I have sat next to someone and 
if I didn't say hello and didn't begin a conversation, I may not have encountered God in that moment. Yes. And I have, I have walked away smiling almost with tears in my eyes thinking, I know that was you, God. Um, I see God in, in nature. I see God in, um, in warm embraces. I see God in, um, when strangers come together to help one another without any motivation, without any ulterior, uh, you know, motivation, without any reason to be repaid. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I see God in miracles and, uh, the fact that my mother is alive today, um, that I'm alive today. And, um, and I, I always pray to God that, you know, because I believe that we all have a purpose here and, um, our purpose, if you are a faithful person, is is to hopefully fulfill your purpose and yeah. and your so my my you know daily prayer is that god allows me to live a very very long time to continue to live his and fulfill his purpose um because i i feel like that's our job here yes um and we all have different skills and we all have different gifts and um and when you recognize, and sometimes you don't, you don't even recognize, sometimes these gifts and these skills kind of fall into your lap and, and you realize from someone else that said, Oh my gosh, what you did for me or what you said for, you know, said to me or, you know, the way that you helped me, you, you saved my life or you, you, you brightened my day or you, you gave me hope. Sometimes people don't even know until that moment happens. But when you know what your gift is and what your purpose and your mission is, it's our job to fulfill it. Yes, and when we fulfill it, when we fulfill it, we ourselves are are filled, and and we become stronger, better, smarter, more compassionate, more aware um, humans, and 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 more compassionate, loving, understanding citizens. Um, and I think that that's where right now we're we're missing where that 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 gap needs to be bridged. We are right now in this time and in in place in our world where everyone is, is in this self-preservation mode. And in that self-preservation mode, many have forgotten about the rest of the people. And, you know, we, we all have to, to, to go into that place where we are um, you know, of sound mind and sound body. But then our responsibility is to make sure that we're being good humans, that we're being good people, that we are being truth tellers, that we are uplifting and encouraging others, that we are not just, you know, showing the world and, and being examples of what's wrong with the world, but showing others what's right. Exactly. What, yes. Amen to that. Yeah. 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 Because what we yeah. focus on is manifest. Yeah. So that's why, you know, all of the scare tactics to bring a little news angle in here, you know, because obviously that's yeah. what I do. Yeah. But all of yeah. the scare tactics, oh, the famine, oh, the this, now there's ads out, how, how to protect yourself in a nuclear attack, all of the things yeah. people yeah. 
those are simply scare tactics. And I'm not yeah. suggesting that you can't pragmatically be informed. But what I oh. am saying is, remember what you focus on is manifest. How about we focused on the protection God gives us, the assurance he gives us that he is there, the understanding yeah. of good. Focus on the things that even scripture tells us to, the things that are good and noteworthy, praiseworthy, excellent, true, all of that. That is exactly what you're speaking into. So obviously it kind yes. of like riles me up a little bit, but I think yes. it's so important because then then we bring in the partnership aspect. We are called to partnership. We are called to know what these things are that are going on. Okay, so you say there's a famine. Well, I'm going to step in and I'm going to intercede with my God and I'm going to mm-hmm. pray against that so that people are fed and that, that, that st- kind of stuff, that intention, because it is intention on the part of some, that that yeah. happened. Well, I'm going to pray against that. I'm going to do my part because I am called to partnership. That's part of my purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's just a small part. I mean, there's a greater purpose for all of us, which has long been my platform as well, Shane. So, and I love that you're, you're talking about this. So what would you say then to someone who, and I've heard, I've come across a lot of these people lately who say, well, I don't know what my purpose is. I, I thought I did and I was achieving it for many years, but now I'm confused. My kids are going off to school. I no longer want to do the job I'm doing. I don't feel I can physically do the job I'm doing any longer. I'm getting older. All of the things, all of the excuses, and I don't mean that they're excuses right. so much as, you know, reality hits. Like, okay, well, right. how, how do I find my purpose? Right. Well, I think, you know, the, the problem is, or the challenge is, is that as we get older, um, and, and this is, you know, this is true for men and women, but I think women probably experience it more as we get older, you know, and life transitions and, you know, children grow up and they move out and, you know, um, so many things change um, that that we struggle with identity and we struggle with, you know, where do I belong and, and what's my purpose? That's that yeah. I think is a very natural occurrence. Um, but I find having that wonder that I described early on is what keeps you in check. So, you know, instead of making the lists of all the things that are wrong and all the reasons why you can't do something, start making lists of what you can do mm. and why you should do it. Yeah. And what is it that makes you happy? You know, stop stop looking at all the the reasons why you can't and figure out how you can. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's really all mindset. It sure and is. I, I really hate to say this because again, I'm not, I'm not bashing technology, but I, I do find that technology is, is an energy zapper. If you are not careful, mm-hmm. I think that it changes perspective. If you're not clear on who you are and what you want and and what your mission is i think that you can you know you can easily be persuaded and you can easily be swayed you need to be very very clear on who you are and what you want and what your needs are because media and and technology right now it is you know, it, it's it's everywhere and in so many ways it's in our hand, it's on our phone, it's on our computers and, you know, you can't escape it. And as I said, it's not a bad thing. It's just using it in moderation um, because you can easily find yourself lost and confused and, you know, you're, you're uh, 
comparing yourself to others and oh my gosh and look well this person's doing all this what am I what am I doing and the, you know I just had my first cup of coffee and this person's already run a marathon like you know this is the at some point you need to turn things off and go back out into nature and you need to quiet your mind and you need to remind yourself of what it is that makes you happy and what and as I said making the list of what are you good at and what is it that you want to do and you can do, not what you can't do? Yeah. Well, and I, a couple of things that you said there I want to speak into. First of all, you can't compare yourself to the person next to you because that person's wearing a different mantle. So right. your mantle and your purpose looks different than that person's. So there's no comparing. Right. And we're wired differently. I mean, for years, conversely... I was always frustrated. I had a lot of energy. I remember being in college, sitting there looking at the other girls who sat demurely for hours without flinching or moving. And I'm moving from butt cheek to butt cheek and recrossing my legs. And I thought, what is wrong with me? I have so much energy. And I wasn't even drinking coffee then. So I've learned that that is the way that God wired me. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have the farm that I have, the kids that I have to do the things that he has called me to do if I didn't have that. And I stopped, I learned about 10 years ago to stop feeling apologetic for it. Like, mm-hmm. why Why do I have to look this way? And, and instead, I turned it into, thank you, God, for creating me that way. And so therefore, right. I have learned my mantle is my mantle. I, I'm not, I'm not right. going to toss it. I'm not going to grab yours from you. That's just the way yep. it is. And the second part of that yep. is in keeping the wonder, the mindset is you have to be willing to fight for it too. And I won't get into it mm-hmm. here, but yep. the last six months of my life have been filled with physical pain. And Mm -hmm. the things that I like to do, sitting and writing, talking, even walking, which I like to do during the summer every single morning at the track with my friends, those things are all challenged. And I won't bore Mm -hmm. you here with the details, but I've been working through that because in my mind, this is what I saw. I saw this picture. I saw my my finishing, for example, I told you earlier, a novel handling the podcast, Mm -hmm. being there for my children and grandchildren, walking with my friends. And I had to fight for that. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the wonder, not allowing myself to accept anything less. And through God and through His grace and His provision, those things are happening. So it's part of the package. And I just just want to encourage you today, if you're listening in, because you you need to keep your mantle, keep your purpose, keep your eyes on the prize, keep the wonder and surrender. And at the beginning of the podcast, I couldn't remember what that quote was. And I thought, oh, for heaven's sake, it's on my computer. It's right here in front of me. I just, uh, I just created a meme from it just the <laughs> other day, because I love Bill Johnson. And he had said, get this, let's let's like marinate in this people. Routine without surrender is just religion. And mm-hmm. what he means by that is, you know, religion, full of all the things we're supposed to be doing, within a rigid system is no faith at all. Routine without surrender is just religion. And that's what I love about what you're saying, Shane, is that surrender produces wonder and that wonder supports our purpose Mm -hmm. and propels us forward. It's just beautiful. I love it. Yes. Yes, I agree. I agree. Well, what else do you want to tell us before I let you go today? What do you want to leave our listeners with? Well, you know, I think 
what would I want to leave your listeners with? It's a big, 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 beautiful world. And there's so much to see. And it doesn't matter if you can't, you know, travel to a, to a new place or you, you can't, uh, you know, go visit, you know, an area that you've always wanted to visit. Gas prices are high. Maybe maybe you can't get in a car. Maybe you don't have a car right now. Whatever the circumstances may be, in your day today, whether it's going to the grocery store, whether it's getting your mail from the mailman, whether it's saying hello to a neighbor, you can experience a whole new world and you can experience a bigger a bigger surrounding just by engaging with someone that you don't normally engage with, mm. or maybe engaging a little bit more than you normally do. There are, our world is a really big place, but each person that we encounter, they carry pieces of this big world. So even within our, that. our own proximity, there's ways that we can expand our horizons and we can expand our perspective and we can take you know, take new, new joy in the day just by, by extending ourselves a little bit more with those people that are around us. Mm, that is so beautifully said. I'm actually writing that down. Each person you. you encounter carries pieces of the world with them. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> that's it right there. That's, that's the thesis for today. Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Great. Well, it's been a pleasure having you, Shane. I hope that you all will get out and buy a copy of Broken Little Believer. It will be out on audio soon too, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. The next couple of weeks. Yeah. And then tell me again, the name of your children's book that's soon to be out as well. The Busy Bridge That Got Its Break. Oh, that sounds enticing. I love it. Oh, yes. It's oh. a very, it's a true story about a real bridge, a heartwarming uh, very endearing story for children, but it has a lot of relevant messages that are in it for readers of all ages. Oh, well, it sounds amazing. Thank it's been you. a delight. It's been a breath of fresh air to talk with you today. I've ha- I have Thank so many you. visuals in my head of gravel roads and highways, wildflowers and blankets of green, lots of sunshine and blue skies. And I hope that that is the same for all of you who are listening today. I'll make sure to have Shane Savorek's information up on the podcast website in the show notes. And I hope that you remember that wherever you find yourself today, you are relevant, you are influential, and you are called to your purpose. And that includes unveiling truth for color, lighting the world with color, and sharing your color. And I hope you'll continue to join us on Color Speak wherever you find your podcasts and on Grace and Truth Radio World. This is J.M. Huxley for Truth Talk on Color Speak, unveiling truth for light and color.